Maniacs, welcome to the newest episode of the Needless Things Podcast, where we talk about toys, movies, music, and all manner of pop culture dorkery. I am your host, Dave, and I do not currently have internet access. Uh, I'm not quite sure what's going to happen with this episode. Hopefully, by the time I have to go to bed tonight, because i got to get up and work at 3.30 in the morning, uh, we'll, I'll be able to upload this thing. If not... Then for the first time in four years, maybe five, there will not be a new episode of the Needless Things podcast available at 11 a.m. Central Time on a Friday. I've hit it every single week, but I do not currently have internet, which is going to make the news a bit of a problem because all I have are my notes that I usually have you know my note i pull up the the website or page or whatever that i'm referring to and then go off the information there uh and it looks like i might be doing all of this from memory which of course will be a fun exercise for nobody uh, i'm gonna try and bring up oh it's back thank goodness we don't know how much we rely on something until it's gone and uh Actually, I take that back because I knew exactly how much I relied on the internet to upload my freaking podcast. Okay, so the internet is back. Hopefully it will remain back uh, until I can get everything uploaded, so you will have a new episode tomorrow. So you'll be listening to this fresh and new. So let's go ahead and, and get on with the news. Well, the first piece of news I, I don't really need the internet for, it's just to tell you that episode one of Audible Interlude, a G.I. Joe podcast, is available now. It released this past Monday. Uh, there will be new episodes of this G.I. Joe podcast every uh, the first Monday of every month. So you can look forward to that. I don't... I didn't want to get overwhelmed with podcasts here. I, I've got enough on my plate, but I just had a hankering for a G.I. Joe podcast. I knew exactly who I wanted the hosts to be, and I think we've put together a really cool, fun show that is a great format that's different from this show. So even if you've listened to and enjoyed uh, G.I. Joe episodes that we have done here in the past, Audible Interlude is something very, very different that I think you can get on board with. You can follow Audible Interlude Podcast on Instagram and on Twitter. Uh, it has its own account that will be specifically G.I. Joe. And I'm going to make an effort to make all G.I. Joe-related content exclusive to those feeds. Uh, you will not see G.I. Joe content on the regular Needless Things or Phantom Troublemaker uh, Instagram pages in the future, except for uh, when Needless Things shares new episodes of Audible Interlude. So Audible Interlude podcast, go check that out. The premiere episode where we break down the new Hasbro G.I. Joe website is up. And then the official first episode, complete with music by the incredible Andy Samford, uh, is available now. So it's, it's something I'm very proud of. It's very special to me. And I'm looking forward to recording the second episode very soon. 
Execute Chapter 66 also released a new episode this week, which with two new podcast, or technically, I guess, three, including this one, three new podcast episodes coming out this week. That's why there's new content, uh, no new content on the Needless Things YouTube channel. Uh, there's, there's only so much I can do and only so much I feel the need to do. And I would have loved to have, you know, something up on YouTube, but there's just been a lot going on. And I didn't, I didn't have time to give the unboxings I currently have the attention they deserve. And then I've still got the one video that I've been teasing freaking forever now that I, I just I don't have the time for it. But I got some vacation coming up very, very soon here, and I plan to get a lot of cool stuff done. So pay attention. Speaking of a lot of cool stuff, and, and this isn't really news. This is all just needless things stuff, but whatever. Uh you know what? I'll wait until after the official news to tell you about this one. Uh, so, new execute chapter sixty-six. Darth Plagueis, 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 Darth Platypus. Episode sixty-six. Uh, episode execute chapter sixty-six. Darth Platypus uh, is available now as well. I'm kidding. It's Darth Plagueis. I wish Chad was here to help me. The Predator 2 City Demon Ultimate Predator from NECA is going to be available on July 23rd. Supposedly, it's going to be in stores in Walmart for twenty nine ninety six. I'll believe that when I see it, and maybe it will. Maybe, maybe it will show up, and immediately the scalpers will be out in waves to snatch them all up, so we'll never see one on the shelf uh, it will be available online through the NACA store. Excuse me, I keep uh, NACA is how I pronounce it for so many years. NACAstore.com. Uh, now, I have an update on my NECA store gift certificate that Mrs. Troublemaker got for me for Father's Day. It is currently useless because while they have stocked the NECA store with tons of new product, it's only for shipping outside of the U.S. A um, little infuriating. But it says that this Predator will be available on July 23rd through the NECA store, uh, U.S. and international. So hopefully I will be able to use my gift uh, gift certificate. I'm sorry I'm having so much trouble talking. I had a very, very long day at work. I'm going to have three more very very long days ahead of me i'm a little frazzled the power going out really threw me off uh hang in there you guys hang in there uh but this thing looks awesome it is from predator 2 the iconic scene where the lightning courses through his uh not not lightning it's like electricity uh he's like stepping through a puddle or something i think uh and his his uh chameleon circuit that's Doctor Who, that's the wrong terminology. Uh, his camouflage, holographic, whatever doodad shorts out, and he gets this really cool lightning effect all over his body. So this is the Predator 2 Ultimate figure with a awesome, like, translucent lightning deco. It looks amazing, and I really like, you know, as much as I've talked in the past about how much of the Predators, predators all kind of look alike, uh, 
you know, these these kinds of decos really stand out and really look different and cool on the shelf. So I'm pretty stoked about this guy. Uh, also coming on July 23rd, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles coming out of their shells. San Diego, these were all going to be San Diego Comic-Con exclusives. Uh, box set featuring all four turtles in their concert gear from the live... Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles coming out of their shells concert tour that you can find on YouTube. Now, I want to be as nice as I can about this because I know some of our younger listeners, and when I say some of our younger listeners, I mean those who are around 30, love the coming out of their shells tour. Love it. Uh, and that's great. I think it's super. I think it's really neat that NECA's doing this. I think it's a great set if you're a fan of this. And there's a deluxe set that will be available online from Target. There's a regular box set that's just the four turtles in a really cool box. With cover art, by the way, by the incredible James Groman. That's going to be available, supposedly, in-store in Target's. And then there's a merchandise bundle that's going to be available from Target.com that has that box set, a t-shirt, a laminate, four guitar picks, um, and some other stuff, like cool concert gear. That I'll, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't tempted by that. That set's 150 The regular set's, I think, 130 which is, for this kind of thing, is, is I think is very reasonable because the box really does look great. The figures look great. They've they put a lot of care into this goofy, terrible concept. So I think these are going to be a big hit, like all of their exclusive Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles stuff. So keep an eye out for those. That's also July the 23rd. Um, let's see. What else? That's pretty much it. NECA released a really cool sort of checklist of upcoming Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles exclusives. Uh, Wave 3 of the cartoon figures are going to be hitting in three separate shipments. Uh, July 16th, uh, August 6th, and August 20th. Metalhead hits on July 16th. Now, I don't know if that means online and in store, uh, so keep your eyes on Target.com. You, maybe you'll get lucky and be able to get them there. Uh, and then the Bebop and Rocksteady figures are going to be restocked on September 3rd, which is very cool. Those are great figures. I think anybody, uh, you know, I got a set. I'm not collecting that line. They just looked so good, I bought them. Uh, and then there are the Walmart exclusive. Boo! Uh, Casey Jones and Raphael Disguise, which came out on uh, 629 and is, is gone. I have been to three different Walmart stores. Uh, and saw the price tag and no figures at all. Uh, so scalpers jumped right on those. Fortunately, I got my set, uh, and I have another set pre-ordered from Zavi Z A A V I dot com that cost way more. But I'm gonna need a set for my son, and I am not canceling that pre-order because I don't think I'm gonna find them regularly. Uh. July 6th, which was a few days ago, the movie Leonardo and Donatello 2-pack and Michelangelo and Raphael 2-pack hit Walmart's, supposedly. 
Uh, I haven't seen those yet either. I haven't looked on Walmart.com because I don't need them. Uh, and then Super Shredder is August 10th. And finally, the new Arcade Wave, which is a specialty stores exclusive, which I'm guessing means you can get it from, like, Big Bad or wherever, uh, hits on July 14th. So lots of cool news from NECA. And, of course, the online version of San Diego Comic-Con is right around the corner. Tons of stuff there. Uh, Action Figure Attack, who works for Mattel, has already announced that they're going to have a lot of cool stuff going on online that weekend. I'm really excited about that. Uh, If you're not following Action Figure Attack on Instagram, you really should be. And I think that is all the news for now. I realize I should probably stop griping about being tired every episode because now that I have a regular work schedule for the foreseeable foreseeable future, uh, Thursday is when I will put the episodes together, like do final production, put all the pieces together. And now I work every Thursday. Every I work every Wednesday and Thursday. Sometimes I have Friday off. Uh, sometimes I have Friday through Tuesday off. But sometimes I work Wednesday through Sunday, so that does alternate. But I have every Monday and Tuesday off. Uh, it's it's really, really weird. But I have regular days off that I can count on now. But I will have worked every single Thursday. So I've, I've got to adjust to doing this regularly on Thursday night and doing it. I've got to bring the pep and the energy and the vim and vigor and pizzazz uh, after a 12-hour workday. I've got to get used to that. And and believe you me, it is tough, you guys. Uh, So today's episode is very, very cool. Hopefully the start of something. Because I talked to a great gentleman from Australia about his personal history with toy collecting and the differences between American and Australian toy collecting. And there's some really interesting things that I grew up with that he really didn't, things that were bigger there than they were here. Uh, it's a great conversation. It's fascinating. And Adam is a really cool guy. I definitely plan to have him back on the show at some point. He's already hit me with a couple of great, great ideas. I was going to say good. I had to immediately upgrade to great ideas for episode concepts that I, I wish... I wish I'd been aware of earlier so I could go ahead and slot them into the schedule, but we we are packed like almost through September at this point. But uh, definitely great conversation. And I would like to put this out there. If you are listening to this and you grew up in a country that is not the continental United States, now that includes like Alaska or Hawaii, or, uh, Hawaii because I feel like there, there are probably interesting things to discuss there as well. Uh, If you are outside of the continental U.S., please go to Phantom Troublemaker on Instagram. This is the best way to send me a message, I think. Uh, Phantom Troublemaker on Instagram. And hit me up and let me know that you'd like to come on the show and talk about the differences in collecting where you grew up and where I grew up. And if you listen to today's episode, which I would expect you will after sitting through this 15-minute introduction, surely you're going to listen the meat of the episode with my incredible guest Adam Topless uh, give it a listen think to yourself oh I could do that I could go on that show and talk about toy collecting in Venezuela or toy collecting in London 
or toy collecting in Zimbabwe. You, you get what I'm saying here. Uh, so shoot me a message, Phantom Troublemaker on Instagram. I would love to talk to you. I would love for this to be an ongoing series where we just talk to people around the world about different stuff. Uh, I already know a couple of potential candidates, so we may be able to get a couple episodes in the can before the end of the year. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's a cool topic and I'm happy that this one worked out so well. Uh, one last thing before we get to the meat of the episode, uh, I want to mention that needless con is coming. You can imagine what it is. Uh, it will be a series of episodes meant to, sort of replicate or represent the energy and the fun of the panels that we would have done at Dragon Con. Now, I am not doing video. I know a lot of people are like posting Zoom chats or doing things like that. I would want any videos I did to be to have a certain look, to be a certain standard. And if you want an example of what I'm thinking of, go check out the Major Wrestling Figure Podcast's Hasbro, uh, History of Hasbro episode for an idea of what I would need Needless Things presentations to look like. And I will tell you right now, I do not have the time or the motivation to do that. Uh, I, I sadly do not have a Mark Sterling. I am the Mark Sterling and the Zack Ryder and the Brian Myers. And more and more these days, I'm feeling like Brian Myers, let me just tell you. But, uh, so it'll be all audio, but they will be special episodes. They will be panels that were intended to be presented at Dragon Con this year, which is canceled if you have not heard. Uh, it sucks, but it's what's best. Um, and, and we at Needless Things will be doing, uh, you know, a few different special things to... Uh, celebrate dorkiness in a way that is appropriate for the con season. So there's, stay tuned for those. Keep your eyes out for those. And I haven't decided yet where they're going to fall in the schedule, but I do have the episodes all planned out. And as a matter of fact, we're recording the first one Monday night. So there you go. Uh, so there you go. Uh, sit back, grab yourself. Oh, not a Foster's. Don't Don't grab a Foster's. I think that's bad. I don't think Australians actually drink that stuff. I hope not because it's gross. Uh, just grab your, your favorite beverage, wherever it's from. Uh, grab a Stone Cold IPA, if, if you're the kind of person that likes IPAs. And, and sit back, relax, and listen to a couple people from different parts of the globe talk about what they have in common. And some stuff they don't. Phantomaniacs, I've got something crazy in store for you guys today. Uh, I went on sort of a random hunt a few weeks ago looking for somebody to talk about toys with. I know, hard to imagine. And managed to catch somebody who lives in Australia. And rather than the conversation that I wanted to have at the time, I decided it would be really cool to talk about some of the differences between Australian and American collecting, find out some of some experiences from outside of our borders 
in the thing that we love so much and we talk about so much here on the show, toy collecting. Uh, and now we are going to sit down and have a conversation with Adam Topless. Welcome to the show. G'day, mate. How's it going? <laughs> oh, that's awesome. What a wonderful way to start. Uh, next, you're going to say something about a Barbie and then maybe something about a knife because that's the only stereotypes Americans know. Yes, exactly right. I see you've played Knifey Spoonie before. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, originally I had thrown it out there that we uh, got to talking in the Major Wrestling Figure Podcast Facebook group, which one of my favorite podcasts, nothing wrong with saying that here. Mm-hmm. And I had kind of thrown out a thing where I wanted to talk to somebody about the differences in collecting vintage toys and modern toys. And you responded... But then when I found out where you were from, I was like, oh, I think there's a more interesting conversation to be had here. So tell me a little bit about what you're collecting now before we dip back into the past. Yeah, well, uh, I think like maybe a lot of people can relate to since I joined the Major Wrestling Facebook group and started listening to that podcast. I've got quite itchy on a few new things (laughs) that I haven't been collecting in the past. but, But overall, I... I used to collect wrestling toys a lot when, uh, you know, around mid-2000s, and then, I don't know, I kind of gave them to my nephew, and I, you know, I was still watching and really into it, but for some reason, I just sort of fell off from the toys, and then uh, when I met my partner, she, we were talking about AJ Styles, and I said, I couldn't believe that he, you know, was in the WWE, so she went and bought me an AJ Styles Elite, because at the time, I thought, wow, we might not get too many of these, boy. Yeah, yeah. If only I knew now <laughs> what I knew then. So, um, so um, I, that kind of uh, started my Mattel era uh, wrestling toy collection. And then for Christmas, I got a, a, a ring and that just sent it off. So currently, the main thing I collect is uh, uh, WWE Mattel toys. I don't really get into the, the retro ones for myself. Um, and uh, also, I've started getting into some basketball cards and uh, uh, any other a few pops i have to be um uh i have to hold restraint with the pops otherwise that could just get out of hand but um but outside of that it's uh yeah any other little knickknacks and and cool things that pop up in loot crates and stuff like that usually goes in the collector bin yeah it's funny you mentioned pops those things are pretty much inescapable like i we we don't really collect them but we somehow have i i bet if i went through the house we've got like 50 of them yeah <laughs> Because it's the reason I was going to say the reason for that is is because they're such obscure references. If you know somebody who is like a massive fan of Billy Madison and you see a Billy Madison pop, you're like, oh, that's the perfect gift for that person because Billy Madison, who makes toys of that, like, and but it just applies to every single thing that's ever existed. So <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, there's almost if you are looking because I would rather give somebody a little figure than like a gift certificate or something like that. And mm. you can find a pop for anyone, anybody, you know, there is some pop that's applicable to that person for sure. Uh, but we're not here to talk about pops. We're here to talk about yes. like any action figures at all. And it's funny. You mentioned uh, the wrestling figures of the early two thousands, because that was, when I was probably heaviest into wrestling figure collecting because I was playing at the time I had a group of friends that would come over every Wednesday night 
and we would watch the TNA pay-per-views, the TNA wrestling back when they had Wednesday night pay-per-views. Uh, and then we would play, you know, at first it was WWF No Mercy, um, <clears throat> and then it was like SmackDown, Shut Your Mouth, SmackDown, Here Comes the Pain, and then SmackDown versus Raw. It was, I mean, this was years that we were getting together and playing these games, and we had our created characters uh, that we would use, just completely made-up characters. But then on the side, I booked my own, not really figure-fed, but video game-fed, where I had SmackDown versus Raw were separate shows that were in competition. And, you know, on the Wrestling Figure podcast, they talk about sitting on the floor and booking your shows with the figures in front of you. And for me, at the time, the figures that were coming out were corresponding so well with the game rosters that I ended up just collecting the figures and having my rosters as a collection. Oh, and, wow. Yeah, so I I literally have, I still have the shelves. Um, I made blue shelves with silver struts, red shelves with black struts, so I had my raw shelves and my SmackDown shelves, and my full rosters represented with the you know the titles and the championships and everything all the ruthless aggression style figures and i was way into that for years and then i kind of fell off playing the games and i ended up i think my son has most of the figures now and i just kind of got away from collecting uh really before the jacks era even ended but then a few years ago mattel got me with this william regal's my favorite wrestler And Mattel put out a really nice-looking William Regal, and I was like, oh, that's really cool. And you know how it goes. You buy one figure (laughs) from one collection, and you're stuck. Yeah. I'd I'd say for me that was probably the Chris Jericho entrance elite with the the shiny jacket and the shiny pants. Yeah, yeah. Um, That was one that I saw in the shops. I'm a massive Jericho fan, so as soon as I saw that figure, I thought you know what, I'll just grab this one and keep it. Like, this is this is the one. And I actually had that figure a little while, but that one's, I've let it breathe since then, so now it's uh, it's in the collection. <laughs> and then that's what, that's exactly what happened, is like, I was just going to buy that Regal, and then, you know, I was, you know, I've, I've kept up with wrestling probably since 96. I've, I've really watched just about every, you know, all the big shows, WCW, WWE, whatever, like really kept up with it. Uh, but at the time, I was a little more invested, and so I started buying another one here and there. And then a few years ago, sold it all. There Lots of elites in there, probably worth a couple hundred bucks now, and I'm kicking myself. Never <laughs> One thing that I've learned from a local toy dealer, never sell your toys. Don't do it. Yeah, I I've actually been selling a few of them lately. But no, stop! For <laughs> <laughs> this one, I don't know how much how sought after Aiden English is really going to be in uh, you know six years time. But uh, but no, I, I I realized my collection was starting to get a little bit abstract, and I was buying things that I sort of I get home and I wouldn't even unbox it or anything because I'm like. I don't even know what part of my collection this even applies to anymore. So <laughs> I, I kind of set a few criteria in my head of, of specific themes that I'm going to try and focus on. So I'm looking at like factions. Uh, my current project is the entire WrestleMania 19 card and all the accurate uh, attires or as close as I can get. Um, and then just old school guys and uh, guys from the 90s. So 
having factions gives me a few new ones, but there's not that many new figures that I really need to get uh, to, to fill those things. So it's taken the, the pressure off a little bit, but the guy I sold the Roman Reigns and the Aiden English and uh, my Nia Jax basic to was very happy. So <laughs> good for him. Well, and that's uh, when I, when I restarted after, after the wrestling figure podcast launched and, and I kind of got back into it again, that was, I tried to have rules. I had, okay. I loved WCW late nineties, Monday night wars. That's my favorite. I love that era. I love nitro. Like to me, like raw in general, probably ended up presenting a better product overall, but I just love nitro so much. So I was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to collect WCW figures from Mattel. That's it. That's it. That was my rule. And of course, I have since gone far beyond that because there are only so many WCW figures that Mattel puts out. Mm. So you see yeah. something like the ultimate Bret Hart that's a cool-looking like 1994 Bret Hart. I'm not collecting that era, but then I make myself an excuse. Well, this is an ultimate figure. This is the... <laughs> This is the ultimate Bret Hart. I'm a Bret Hart fan, so I should really have this figure, right? Of course. Yeah, of course. How how hard <laughs> is it for you to sort of follow your your collecting guidelines? Um, I'm I'm doing okay. I mean, I still like, for example, there was a, a Pete Dunne figure that came out a couple of months ago that doesn't really fit into anything, but. I, I really like Pete Dunne and Velveteen, so there's still a few that seep through the seep through the cracks. But um, honestly, my collection is getting so big. Like I, I re- logistically, I probably just need to <laughs> be a little bit more. Let, let's say instead of getting five figures for fifty dollars, maybe I'll put that fifty aside and get a hundred and fifty dollar figure instead. <laughs> <laughs> and I've seen that uh, as that. That's one thing that st- seems to happen as collectors as as we get a little older start to look at maybe rather than just collecting everything I want to collect, I'll put my money towards larger, nicer pieces. One for a space concern, but two, because we're, we're grownups now. We kind of want nicer things. We got the keys to the castle. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right, right. Uh, So let's go back though, uh, because this is something that's very interesting to me. I'd like to go back and sort of track, some of the differences in collecting, because from what I understand, uh, conversion-wise, stuff is more expensive over there. Yeah, so the Australian dollar never is never in better shape than the American dollar, basically. So anything that you know you see as American price instantly, you have to add on, you know, maybe an extra forty to sixty dollars Australian for postage and the conversion rate and everything like that eBay, I like eBay because it, it transfers everything into Australian currency automatically, even if it's listed in a different uh, a different currency. But yeah, it's um, it, it make you have to be it makes collecting a lot more. Um, you have to be more specific about what you want. Like you can't just say, well, maybe I'll drop one hundred and thirty dollars on this figure because I'm pretty sure this is the one that I want. But now you have to like do your homework and make sure you know exactly what what set it is and what thing it is don't accidentally buy a deluxe aggression like i did thinking that it was a mattel elite oh no 
Oh, well, in my defense, he did advertise it as a Metal Elite, so <laughs> that's, on, that's not not entirely my fault. That's one of the things that drives me nuts about eBay is you'll see a listing that it, you know, for instance, William Regal, and it'll say like Jax, Mattel, WWE, WWF, Elite, <laughs> Deluxe. Like it'll have literally every kind of wrestling figure that's ever been made in the description. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I can't stand it. Yeah. As far as just getting out and getting to stores. Uh, what's the selection like over there? Like when when a new wave or new assortment comes out, uh, mm. how 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 easy is it to just get your hands on product? Well, uh, much like you guys, we're feeling the uh, the absence of Toys R Us. That was our um that was our big toy chain that would get you know a lot of the more uh, different stuff or some of the exclusive stuff that you know you guys would see over there. So that disappeared. I know about 12 months ago or so, uh, maybe a bit more, maybe two years now. Um, other than that, there's a spattering of small toy outlets. They're basically Toys R Us, but they're just much smaller operations and there's a lot less of them and they have a smaller variety. But they just mark up. Their, st- their stock is usually pretty um, pretty old, to be honest. And usually the good stuff gets picked up and then the, the rest of it just will sit there for months. Um, and then we've got the department stores. We've got Target over here and um, another department store called Big W that still stocks the WWE figures. Kmart no longer does for some reason. But other than those stores, and then and obviously you get your your hardcore collector stores, but, I mean, there's maybe one or two of those in each sort of state. Like, they're the kind of stores that, okay, let's go for an hour and a half drive to the collector store because it's on the other side of town kind of thing. Like yeah, there's, yeah. there's not a great deal of those around and they mark up like hell and rightly so. So that's how they make their money. So <laughs> yeah, it's funny. So, we, we, uh, pay following, you know, the, the wrestling figure podcast on YouTube. And I promise we're not going to focus on that the entire show, but <laughs> it's, I mean, it's a great informative podcast, not just for wrestling figures, but just for an idea of what it's like to be a collector. Uh, but in, you know, looking at their YouTube channel, it seems like they're collector stores all over America and they're not, it's just that those guys traveled so much that they'd hit all these different spots. But like for me, there's, there's nowhere within three hours of me. That's like the kind of those guys go to. Yeah. So when I'm watching those videos, you know how when you have when you own a house cat and it's an indoor cat and it's not allowed to go outside, so it just spends all its time sitting at the window looking outside. <laughs> right. That's me watching those videos <laughs> where they go to those collector stores. I'm like, oh my god, I could drop sixty bucks in that store and come out the happiest I've ever been in my life. Like, <laughs> well, and that's the funny thing about it is, like, on the one hand, it bums me out that I don't have anything like that nearby, but on the other hand, it's probably a good thing. <laughs> yeah, you'd become a regular. They'd be like, hey, Dave's here. What's going on? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, my gosh. Um, so let's go back a little bit. What an interesting distinction happens when you are someone who's collected toys. When you're a kid, you mm. you know, that's when we start collecting. That's when we start wanting, like, each figure, each vehicle, whatever the case may be. And then at some point you turn into a collector where you're consciously searching out each piece. What's the first toy line, one that you remember just sort of playing with, having as a kid and really loving, 
and then two that you really think of yourself as collecting Calabunga, dude yes <laughs> yes <laughs> Yeah, I uh, so I was born in 86, and I think we got Ninja Turtles maybe a couple of years after the States did. Um, maybe not, it, it, but it, it didn't get really big until... It was definitely bigger over there than it was here, but we would get it a little bit later on in, in a big way. So um, I have very, very vivid memories of coming home from school one day and walking in my bedroom and my mum had cleaned the entire bedroom top to bottom new sheets bed was made everything looked perfect and there was a leonardo figurine sitting on the top of the bed and i lost my shit because that was the first <laughs> action figure that i wanted that wasn't just you know some generic two dollar you know kids toy i was maybe five at this point so i was starting to get you know some some good expensive toys that I actually knew what they were and I was excited for. And uh, the other memory of, of acquiring the turtles that sticks out, and I actually still have this letter. I can take a photo and share it in the Facebook group. I won a coloring in competition in the Sunday newspaper. And I got a letter from Leonardo, Raphael, Donatello and Michelangelo congratulating me on my victory and telling me that they'd sent me a Raphael figurine as a as a prize. Whoa, that's so, awesome. It's a, it's, don't get me wrong, they didn't put a great deal of effort into it. <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's just typed up with a, I think it may have like a um, a Fox logo in the corner or whatever, like the, the, the company logo up in the top corner of this letter, but uh, my mum saved it and put it in a, in a book for me when I turned 21, so I was shocked to see that there, but... Um, but yeah, that was the first line where I was really looking for, okay, I need to get Michelangelo now. Uh, now I need to get, can I have three foot soldiers, please? What? I only get one. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we had all those conversations and I didn't collect all of them, but I had enough of a uh, collection where I could, I could sit down and play with them for hours and, and lose all the weapons and, uh, you know, lose all the parts like every other kid, I guess. <laughs> Well, and that line really lent itself to the collector mentality because all of the characters were, were so distinctive, were so interesting that, like, even the ones that maybe you didn't go as crazy for, you kind of felt like you had to have because they were somebody different and somebody cool. Mm. Yeah. We we didn't get a great deal of variety of turtle figures over here. Like there's a lot that I listened to your which by the way, I have a bone to pick with your top ten Ninja Turtle action <laughs> figures. So oh I, please, please bring it. <laughs> but um we a lot of those I had never seen or even heard of, like those toys. Like they just we just never really got a great deal of um, stock over here. We still got the vehicles and we got all the main stuff, but I think some, maybe some of the the lesser known stuff it just never uh, you know reached our shores. But I would just like to posthumously add Metalhead as the number one entrant on the all time Ninja Turtles figure list. So I just want to throw that out there. Uh, you know, I can't even argue that. And I, you had mentioned that me uh, that to me prior to recording. And it was between Metalhead and Fugitoid for me on the list. The only reason mm. Fugitoid won was because of his presence in the original comics, because Metalhead, honestly, let's be real, he's got Vac Metal, technically much cooler looking figure. 
he's a, he's a freaking robot turtle. Uh, it was it worked in so many scenarios. Like you could do so many things with metalhead. <laughs> and uh, have you seen this new uh, NECA metalhead that's coming out? Yeah, I did. Uh, see, and and that's where I get worried because I get itchy for NECA Ninja Turtle toys. I'm like, no, I can't. I can't keep expanding this collection because then I'll need to get all of those and it'll become a whole thing, but uh, it's beautiful. I love it. Dude, and that's I'm in the same boat because I've, uh, I get the NECA movie Turtles because that 1990 Ninja Turtles movie, I adore it. I love it. I, I think it's probably the best comic book movie that we've ever gotten. So mm. I've bought those, but I haven't bought any of NECA's other stuff. Well, I've I've gotten some of it for my son, but then I'm in Target, and you can probably relate to this. I'm in Target, and that Bebop and Rocksteady animated set that was so hard to find here for so long, well, they've got it on the shelf. Now, I already found one for my son, but I literally just found the one, and was just like okay i got it for him i'm good to go but then later on found another one and i'm like man those are really nice figures it would be a shame with as many people in the world that want these (laughs) figures if i just walked by them toy collector that i am and did not buy them so i bought them and you had a responsibility okay yes i felt like i as the host of the needless things podcast i felt like <laughs> i owed it to the world to own those two figures that everybody thinks are so incredible and so hard to find so i bought them but i will say this they're still in the box i have not opened them and i think i have decided that once target because in in america target's not even taking returns right now we're because of the COVID 19 going on uh wow yeah, they're not taking returns. But I think I've I've pretty much decided once they are, I need to take that back and not have it. Although I should probably put it up for grabs somewhere. I guess if I were truly a responsible toy collector, I'd give somebody else the opportunity to have it. <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've just set up this big responsibility in there. You're like, ah, I'll just take it back. It's yeah, fine. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I've, I found this holy grail, and I'm just going to go return it. Um but yeah, because I don't, I don't want to get into that, man. Because even though the the cartoon isn't really my Ninja Turtles fandom, like I love the original toy line, I love the movie, but the cartoon is not as much my thing. Uh, yeah, those figures are incredible, and and I like them. And I know the more I see, like, well, I've got Rocksteady and Bebop, so I should probably have the Turtles too. Oh, look, and there's Shredder. Oh, and now I need Metalhead. You know how it goes, man. I do, I do. No, I, I definitely feel your pain on on all of that. Um, but there was uh, another line that I wanted to mention as well from from years ago. It was uh, probably the the first toy collection that I got that uh, that feeling of completion with for for getting all of the available figures. Which, although I just saw that apparently there was a series two that never came out in Australia, so now I'm like, Ugh, whatever. Um, <laughs> but that's the Jurassic Park toy line. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, did, I didn't think I got all of the dinosaurs. I didn't get, like, the Tyrannosaurus Rex and all that, but I got all of the human characters, and I got one of the Jeeps. And, you know, my family was, you know, middle class. Like, I, we didn't get the all of everything. We some of some things kind of thing. But for some reason this year, specifically, my mum, <laughs> bless her, she 
send all of my different all my uncles and aunties out to get a different figure each so i got all i got all of the figures for one year from different relatives around christmas time and the really rare one was robert muldoon i don't know if he was rare over there as well but over here he was impossible to find and my auntie nearly had to throw down with some lady in a uh, in a Target store <laughs> over Robert Muldoon, no joke. She uh, she uh, she said it got quite aggressive. This woman's like, "I need this for my son," and my auntie's like, "I need this for my nephew." <laughs> I... So uh, yeah, so I ended up getting all of them, which was just and I love that movie. It's my favorite movie of all time. It was just the perfect like capsule of time for my childhood. Well, and that's. That is very much a thing, man. It's it's interesting to me because I was born literally exactly ten years before you were. Um, mm. So Jurassic Park, I have noticed because just a lot of people I have on the show, um, uh, Ryan, who's on the commentaries, is ten years younger than me. Uh, it just kind of works out that I end up talking to a lot of people right around ten years younger than me, and my sister is eight years younger than me. So. I have that frame of reference for pop culture to where that your generation, particularly, you know, obviously most of my experiences with Americans, but Jurassic Park and Lion King are massive. Whereas, yes. whereas for me, like, obviously I'm aware of that stuff. I read Jurassic Park. I thought the movie was awesome but it didn't have that same cultural impact just because I was a little outside of that magical age range where it hit you guys. But my sister was collecting the Jurassic Park toys or playing, you know, she was, let's see, what was it? 90, when did that come out? 91, 92, 93. Okay. 93. So she would have been, um, Let's see, six, nine, right about nine years old at that point. So Prime still playing with Toys Age. Uh, And definitely Prime. See, that was the magic of Jurassic Park. It's not just that it was a pop culture thing. It's not just that there was a toy line. It's that it was freaking dinosaurs. And dinosaurs to a kid are the coolest thing ever. Because when I was a kid, there was Dino Riders which was essentially Jurassic Park with lasers. <laughs> uh, for it's, the... not, it's not the laser raptors from Kung Fu. <laughs> no, 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 but, it's, but close, close. It was, uh, for, for the listeners who may not know, there was a line called Dino Riders uh, that was all of these realistic dinosaur toys. Uh, it, it just incredible Tyrannosaurus Rex and Apatosaurus and, and like all the cool dinosaurs, no Velociraptors because they, they really didn't become a thing until Jurassic Park. But the story was that these alien races crashed on Earth during the time of the dinosaurs and then strapped a bunch of high-tech equipment to the dinosaurs and used it to fight each other. Yes, I'm looking at a picture of it. I've seen these in other people's collections, and I was always like, "What the fuck is that?" <laughs> right? It, well, it was. <laughs> it came out right. Like I was way too immersed in GI Joe at the time when Dino Riders came out, but I wanted Dino Riders. I just, it was like you said. You had like for me, GI Joe was my 
big focus from like 82 to 87 and I had a few other things here and there but like it was mostly all right David what would you like now well it's got to be the Joe hovercraft or a GI Joe tank or or whatever the case may be <laughs> and every once in a while I'd get something else but yeah dino riders were these incredibly realistic dinosaur toys but then they clipped all these rockets and missiles and lasers and bullshit onto them so the aliens could fight <laughs> Uh, so that was my magical dinosaur line, but for you guys, you got like the real deal Jurassic Park with the, they felt different. Like they had that sort of soft vinyl rubbery skin. Yeah. With the, uh, with the bumps on it, like a, almost like a basketball yes. kind of thing. Like, yeah. Very texture. Right, right. The texture and the paint job. And then some of them had the, um, the little pieces that would come out like they'd gotten bitten. Mm. I was never a fan of that, but hey, it was it was very iconic for for what for the time. <laughs> uh, well, it was to me it was okay because you could put them in and kind of pretend like they weren't even there. Because I was never a big fan of battle damage. Like if those dinosaurs had had permanent like scratches and gouges and stuff that that did never went away, I wouldn't have liked that. But, yeah. but the fact that they were these little plugs that sort of went in and, and they could look mostly normal again, like, I, I was okay with it. Yeah, the the honestly, the dinosaur range from the Jurassic Park toys, I, I never really found that to be that impressed. I think I was more into the, uh, the human characters and the vehicles and stuff like that. Obviously, the T-Rex toy looked amazing that was the one that i always wanted to to get but they kind of just went full like jobber dinosaurs with the with the lower releases and they're <laughs> releasing stuff that's not even in the movie and it was very uh, a lot of the dinosaurs that came out uh, over here in australia they ended up in like two dollar stores like years and years later like they would have like a thousand dimitrodons for like 50 cents <laughs> well and yeah, should have got that, a bunch i'm sure i could sell them for more than 50 cents that's for sure and that was that was the thing there were t- that's hilarious jobber dinosaurs because there were you're <laughs> right they threw out a bunch of because my you know my sister's collecting from a slightly different viewpoint because she was like oh these are just cool dinosaurs i like them they're you know the dimetric cool but yeah as far as like dinosaurs are just fighting and being cool you really only have the t-rex and the velociraptors is like the aggressive you know these guys are gonna mess each other up dinosaurs well i i was quite happy with my frankenstein effort i i had the dilophosaurus but if you pulled the hand down it would its mouth would open and it would like roar but the cool thing with that one was it came with a removable frill that would go around its neck so what I would do is take the frill off of the electronic one, put the frill on the Dilophosaurus where you could fill it up with water and actually spit, and that was my authentic movie Dilophosaurus that could spit, and it had the frill. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That and so Teenage Mutant Ninja, uh, Ninja Turtles, Jurassic mm. Park, landmark toy lines of that era for sure. Mm. But we've talked about like like little things here and there that maybe something comes out and looks cool. Were there any other toy lines that maybe you only had like a figure or two from or or something that caught your eye that maybe you didn't even ever find? 
Mm. Uh, my collection was definitely a hodgepodge. Uh, I think it's because I got most of my toys from our local supermarket. They had a little toy section, and they never had a great variety, but they would always get different things in. So, you know, towards the late 90s, I had, like, the Men in Black animated series toys um like last action hero toys even though i'd never seen the movie as a kid i got arnold and i got the villain guy with the uh with the axe oh yeah um, yeah yeah just just um, if it was if it kind of had its moment in the sun then i probably got like one from that line or the you know the ones that didn't sell and, and would get marked down and things like that so i had to get creative with my uh, my toy universes but the axe guy from last action hero is a good villain to have <laughs> he looks terrible <laughs> now here's here's a moment where, where we have to take a turn for the tragic and discuss a little sure. bit of a downer out of the toys you had as a kid do you still mm. have any of them or have access to them in any way so my mum found a box at her house <laughs> i'm sure you've heard this story before i haven't seen what's in it yet so i'll, I'll have to um, get back to you on exactly what's in it but she said there are ninja turtles in it so oh man the only thing i can think of it will probably only be a couple of, and knowing my luck it'll be my um, like beach volleyball donatello or you know <laughs> baseball Raphael or something like that <laughs> right right <laughs> Or, or um, Shredder with no shirt, where he's all jacked and ripped. <laughs> well, and that's, it's funny how how differently our parents sort of viewed those things. I, I shared this story on a recent episode, and I'll just mention it briefly again here now, just because I think it's so funny. Uh, you know, my mom, a few years ago, called when I was on the phone with her. She said, oh, by the way... Uh, one of our neighbors cleaning things out and they gave me your old millennium falcon that i had given them and it, i would do you want it back i said oh my gosh the millennium falcon from star wars it's han solo's oh, yeah. ship that i had as a kid of course yes i want it back yes please please next time you you you're in town uh bring it down absolutely and uh so she brings it over and it is not in any way shape or form the millennium Falcon. it's actually the cobra terror drone from from gi joe <laughs> and that's how uh you know and look my mom was pretty on top of pop pop culture stuff back in the day she took me to see every movie um she kept me up with every toy line like back then she knew that stuff she knew what i had she kept up with it she you know like was really on it but, you know, now, none of that stuff really matters to her. And I just think it's a funny, you know, she she maintained that inventory as long as she had to. And then she kind of let it go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. It's funny. You mentioned that she took you to see movies. This actually kind of ties into uh, Jurassic Park as well. And I, I love this story. This is one of my favorite things that ever happened in my childhood. Um my mum and I went to see a movie. Now, this movie had Sam Neill in it. It was fresh off the heels of Jurassic Park. The TV ads made it look like it was about a time-traveling spaceship. Oh, no. <laughs> I know yeah. where you're going. Oh, no. So, I don't watch horror movies. My mum definitely doesn't watch horror movies. <laughs> oh, the no. two of us go, The two of us go to the drive-in <laughs> to see... <laughs> 
Dr. Alan Grant, you know, <laughs> traveling space through sure, time. Sure, and, why not? And uh, the movie we're talking about, if you don't know, is Event Horizon. Oh, and my God. that movie... Think of the very sudden hard left turn that movie takes. <laughs> it's Hellraiser in space. It's 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 one of my favorite movies, but it's a nightmare. Yeah, we we left shortly bef- after things went off the rails. Oh, good. I'm We're like, gl- out of here. Mm-hmm. I'm 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 so glad to hear that. Oh, that's so much worse than my my accidental mom story. Which uh, for uh, again for the listeners. I'm sure everybody knows Event Horizon, but if you don't, it is, it's a movie that to this day legitimately, like, unsettles me when I watch it, and I love it. And, me too. I've only seen it once. <laughs> well, and uh, Shout Factory's actually getting ready to put out a collector's edition that we've been waiting years to see. It's coming out later this year. But, yes, Sam Neill, the, the, the grumpy, affable Dr. Alan Grant from <laughs> Jurassic Park, um... It turns into a, a maniac pinhead in space, basically, over the course Demonic, of this movie. Yes. Psychopath, yep. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's worse than my, mine. My relatively gentle, in comparison, mom-made-a-mistake story. Uh, when, when I was much, much younger, uh, I was if I was sick home from school, uh, she would go to the local videotape rental place and just rent a couple of kids movies for me and bring them home and she rented a movie called troll (laughs) that in the pantheon of horror movies is relatively inoffensive but to a like probably seven or eight year old kid i guess uh who's not yeah not expecting Sonny Bono to turn into a giant mushroom (laughs) is a little much like and she just thought it was like oh this looks like you know it's got puppets in it everybody likes puppets and and rented it and I had no idea what I was for so that that was but I I would much rather deal with that than freaking event horizon (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh that's great it, it bonded us, put it that way. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, yeah, that's got to be such a great shared experience of horror. <laughs> so we survived the event horizon together. We got out of there alive, so everything was fine. <laughs> so, as far as modern stuff goes, or, or maybe even not necessarily modern stuff, but over the last, uh, you know, ten or so years, what what is some stuff that you know even if it's not on your list of i'm collecting this what's some stuff that's maybe caught your eye or been interesting to you in the toy world yeah i i think my collection uh like the the little bug inside me that has this urge to collect things i think it got fulfilled with like dvds and cds for a long period of time there so there was you know probably from like my mid-teens, I guess, all the way through to, you know, maybe up until, you know, maybe four or five years ago, it was like all about the DVD collection and the CD collection, because I'm a dinosaur, and I still, ha- I, I still buy CDs to this day, I will have, you know, but, oh, dude, um, f- physical media forever, yes, I, I had to take some photos and send it to my friend, because he literally didn't believe me that I owned any CDs, I'm like, here they are, <laughs> 
that's Eminem's new one that came out last week. What do you want me to say? Um, but, uh, the, yeah, yeah, so it was more about movies and stuff like that. It kind of moved away from, from toys for a bit there. But, my, uh, I, but you know, I would still find myself getting, like, when the first Transformers movie came out, there was this really cool um, transforming Optimus Prime that made the rounds at the, the department stores. So, you know, I'd, I'd get things like that. And I think I was still collecting the, like, wrestling toys, like the um, the WCW Chris Jericho flashback toy i remember really being happy with that one because that was just looked great but it was i think it went more to movies and dvds for a while until yeah until i sort of started hitting later years like you know getting up to near 30 years old where i started thinking more like yeah you know what i think i need to start getting toys they look nice up on the shelf (laughs) on display and everything like that so um so yeah i did i did drop out for quite a while in the middle there from yeah for, for about 10 or so years well, I think what's so attractive about like toys, action figures, whatever, to me anyway, is I'm fascinated by the fact that they're they're works of art that we can buy and put on our shelves for, in general, a reasonable price. Mm. Yeah, and and very um, highly detailed works as well. Like you know, with three D scanning and stuff these days, they all look you know, pretty much spot on, except for Mick Foley's WrestleMania. (laughs) Good Lord. What fresh hell is this? This is Event Horizon all over again. (laughs) Man, and I'm, uh, because when that series, when that wave came out, what was it? It was Mick Foley, Kofi, um, Matt Hardy, uh, Matt Hardy and Booker T. Yes. And I knew I wanted... Kofi and Booker T. Even though the Booker T is relatively inaccurate, like those boots are pretty inexcusable, but like I love Booker T. Um and and we hadn't had one from that era before. So I knew I was going to buy um Booker and Kofi. Mm. And I figured once I found that wave, I'd probably cave and just go ahead and buy Matt Hardy and McFoley as well, just to be, just to build the figure, just to build the the dangerous Danny Davis build a figure. Yeah, because that's how they get you with with the whole build a figure <laughs> thing, whether it's Marvel Legends or whatever. You know, when there's a build a figure, it's there's usually at least one that you're like, well, I guess I'll go ahead and get this just so I can build the guy. And I'm I'm sure they put like one of the most crucial parts of the builder figure in the Mick Foley one as well. Like, oh god, this Mick Foley face looks horrible. Better put the torso in there to make sure that it sells. Well, and that's that's I was shocked because and and I am uh I'm a pretty soft sell. Like if you if there's something that I even partly want, I'm probably gonna walk out of the store with it. But when I saw that Mick Foley, I was like fuck it never mind not buying those so i i've got kofi and booker and i still uh you know if if that foley hits like five bucks maybe i'll get it so here's some value for that foley the exchangeable hands with the pointed fingers and the white um wrist tape um if you got any other figures with the white tape it's really handy to have a exchangeable hand with like a pointing finger i even had triple h doing his customary pointing at the guy next to him um 
with one of my <laughs> Triple H oh, figures. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's it, there's I got a little bit of value out of it, and honestly, I'll probably try and do a head swap with it if I can track down a Cactus Jack one, and and then I think it'll it'll be a pretty solid figure if you do that. Yeah, if you could throw basically any other Mick Foley head on that, it's fine. Like because from the shoulders <laughs> down, it's it's a great representation of Foley in that era. Mm, yeah, so WrestleMania um, 22 death match with with Edge, which is. It's it's that's what's so infuriating about it is to me that's a landmark match. I actually still have the Jack, Jack Pacific put out a box set of Foley Edge and one of their foam hardcore titles. Mm. Um, and I actually still have that hardcore title. It's hanging up on my wall right now. Uh, Champ Edge and Foley are in a tote. And the reason they're in a tote is because Foley's shirt developed that. Oh, yeah. That doesn't have any checkers on the back or something. Well, no, no, no. It's got oh, okay. It's it's red and it's got black like cross hatch yeah. on it. It's not even checked. It's literally just like cross lines, black lines. But it developed <laughs> that goo, that sticky goo. And oh it, no! Oh, it, it the will, slime. Yes, and it won't come off. I tried soap and water, and first of all, I got the soap and water, and it washed all the black lines off. They're gone. <laughs> He's just in a red shirt now, but it's still sticky. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> so yeah, oh. that's it. But that match was so huge for me, and I that you know that set came out when I was still in the midst of collecting the ruthless aggression stuff. So that was like a huge set, and I really wish I'd just left it in the box. But um, I like that hardcore yes, title so much. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. Seriously. Uh, well, um, yeah, that's uh, that's another thing. I'm very similar to you. Like, I get itchy for stuff that has like a personal meaning to me. Like, for example, uh, Shawn Michaels and Jericho in '08. I know yeah. there's like a two pack of them in that era that looks awesome just in the box. Like, that's something. Even though I don't display many things in the box, that's something that I would get and just keep exactly as is because it it has such a specific meaning to 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 me and my my best friend is a huge Shawn michaels fan i'm a huge chris jericho fan it was just ah it was a, an amazing six months <laughs> yeah and that's that's an interesting thing too because i i open up almost everything i get but every once in a while there's like a special piece that whether the packaging is so cool like uh, actually today that uh that mr t went on sale yeah, it did. Uh oh. Uh, what is? I, I, why is it blue? Why not make it red? I would have it if it was red, but the blue—I don't get it. I don't understand why they're chosen that color. Yeah, I. There's always something, isn't there? There's yeah, always like yeah. one little detail that just doesn't quite make sense. But I. Yeah. I, and apparently I lucked out on this thing. I didn't even realize, because I, w- I was sitting here at noon, refreshing. I was already logged into Entertainment Earth. I was sitting here, and I refreshed at noon. Uh, and it took a long time to, like, load, but I added it to my heart. 
I checked out. I bought it. No, like pretty much no problem. Like it, it took a little longer than just a regular purchasing of something, but I, I didn't have any issues. And I was like, holy cow, that was great. Cause last year for macho man, the nightmare I was, I was there <laughs> for that. Um, they've been doing what else? Something recently. Oh, Mezco. Um, I don't know if you're following the one twelve collective figures from Mezco at all. Uh, I'm not, but I've been listening to your last few episodes. So if you've been told, I think I may have heard you mention this. Yeah, they did a Michael Keaton Batman figure from the 1989 movie. And that was a nightmare. And then they recently offered a Christopher Reeve Superman. Superman. Right. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Um, so for me, this Mr. T was easy peasy. And then I get into social media and, and, the, and the wrestling figure podcast group and i'm like oh my gosh people are having a bad time today <laughs> <laughs> but uh well, you know what one good thing came out of this figure being announced it reminded me to show my girlfriend mr t's um hall of fame speech where he talks about his mother for 15 minutes and uh, <laughs> we, thoroughly, we thoroughly enjoyed it so. hey that man has a song about mothers so he, he absolutely <laughs> deserves his time. But yeah, this, like that Mr. T, that packaging, that VHS packaging is so cool. I'll probably leave yeah. him in the box. Um, yeah. You know, it's a good, that's probably a good one to get and then keep in the box kind of thing. Because I, like I said, I do display mine sort of loose. So it wouldn't, I wouldn't have any real sort of like desire to do that. But. It, it, yeah, the packaging is beautiful. They they've been hitting some really uh, interesting, good packaging lately with the Hardy Boys and the Undertaker as Kane, and you know the the list Jericho a couple of years ago. Um, packaging can be a big, very big deal. They need to do more with that stuff. Yeah, and that's especially when it is something like this, Mister T, where we don't really have the rest of the elements for that match or that event to go with him. So but it's there is really, no match. Well, <laughs> there is no match. yeah, right, right, right. It's it's yeah. a, it's a, a different thing. So he kind of stands on his own. So it's cool to put the effort into the packaging to make it uh, yeah. more of an event item, I guess. It's funny. You know what they should have done? They had Slim Jim Macho Man last year. They should have had Snickers Mr. T this year. <laughs> <laughs> well, they've... Snickers Mr. T would be awesome. I have seen people who want Pasta Mania Hulk Hogan. Oh, not me. <laughs> oh, I'd be all about Pasta Mania Hulk Hogan. I would love to see a Chef Boyardee Mankind. Wow. Is is there a uh, almost almost um, audition to be Metallica's bass guitar Hulk Hogan? Is that one coming out? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Sick burn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but um, there, was, there was actually something I wanted to ask you when, when we finished this. There was something I wanted to ask you about as well. So, oh, go, go ahead. ahead, go ahead. Uh, well, it was more about um, uh, GI Joes because uh, I so GI Joes were never overly. They it's really weird. Like the, the way the way that I've been thinking about it is like this: like soft drink is or fizzy drink is Coca Cola. Sure, like people just call it Coke, whatever it is. Takeaway is mcdonald's like it's just that that you know brand that you know supersedes what the actual product is for a long time any action figure in australia was always called a gi joe oh interesting yeah it was even though i don't think we had the cartoon over here or if we did it was on like one day a week after school probably would have 
basketball or something like that. Um, but the toys were still like more expensive than some of the other ones out there, but they were also still really sought after. Like everybody wanted GI Joes, even though we didn't fully understand what it was, <laughs> what these characters were, other than what was written like on the box. So it's, I guess the was the 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 question I'm asking is: Was GI Joe popular over there because of the cartoon? And I think it was comics as well at some point. Is that what really drove it, or was it the toys that drove GI Joe? Uh, I mean, in the '80s in America, any toy line that had an affiliated cartoon, that cartoon was for sure driving the sales, but. The G.I. Joe toy line started in 1982. Um, G.I. Joe, well, G.I. Joe, a real American hero. The 80s G.I. Joe that we're, we're discussing now. Uh, and then in Europe, it was known as Action Force. Uh, and it was, it was distributed by, by somebody different. But it was essentially the same toy line. The G.I. Joe comic book started before the cartoon did... But cartoons obviously have a much higher profile, get a lot more attention, yeah. and the cartoon started in 1984 or five. We, you know, we just recorded two GI Joe podcasts. I should know this off the top of my head. But uh, the cartoon is absolutely what drove the toy line for those middle years. But honestly, in 1982, it just took off. Uh, it kind of moved under its own merits initially. For me personally, I started with Migos in the late 70s and early 80s, which were, you know, the articulated cloth, uh, figure superhero figures with, like, cloth outfits and stuff. And then right. Star Wars happened, and that was it. And that three-and-three-quarter-inch action figure size just became the market standard because you had the action figures and then you had the vehicles and the vehicles were a huge part of play in that time well then G.I. Joe came along and rather than the five points of articulation that Star Wars had which by the way 1982 we're waiting for Return of the Jedi to come out but in the tiles Star Wars is kind of cooling off a little bit uh, and G.I. Joe hits well, they've got elbows, they've got knees, they've got hips that do more than just move forward and back. And they've got this exciting card art, and they're military. And, and let me just tell you, America in the 80s, there was nothing cooler than the military. Yes. <laughs> like, that was hot stuff. So having that connection uh, was just a really big deal. So Hasbro was able to launch this toy line and and not even really need the cartoon of the comic books at first. And then, you know, as it went on, they played a bigger and bigger role. And then once the cartoon hit, that was it, man. I mean, that was... Once you've got that Monday through Friday, those kids after school eyeballs on your product, that's it. And it, it was just... It was the biggest thing for... I would say from 84 to 87, G.I. Joe was it ruled the toy aisles in America. Yeah, it's it, and what I'm getting from that as well is it, it sounds like it's the same over here, is whatever makes it onto regular 
televi- televised kind of broadcast, that's the that's the toys that blow up the most. Like, I'm sure Ninja Turtles was on um, daily, but GI Joe like wasn't. Even though, like, like I say, GI Joes was still very popular. But I think that's just because. See, over here we inherit a lot of stuff from the US. <laughs> so sure, sure. just from the TV shows, like we like we would have been watching Tim Allen on Home Improvement in nineteen ninety four and Randy would be saying, Hey Dad, he stole my G. I. Joe and we'd be like, G. I. Joe, Ooh, what's that? And then we see it in like it was weird how the American culture just kind of I don't know, is infiltrated the word? <laughs> infiltrated like yeah, yeah. the Australian like lexicon and everything, like um so much, especially in the nineties when, you know, everything was, was on fire over there, you know, it was, it was, everything was really, really good basketball and TV and everything was all having a real uprise. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was always weird to see what would sort of come out, but we, but then you would look at things like Pokemon massive, massive over here in the late nineties because we're really close to Japan and like anime and Pokemon really like, found its way over here you know with um uh, you know a lot of people that would move here and stuff from the nearby countries and stuff would all it just sort of created the anime culture and stuff as well so it's it's interesting to see how these different genres of toys and entertainment have all sort of come together and the mishmash that you end up with it because you get some of the real big stuff but you get some really obscure stuff like uh I don't know if you remember the TV cartoon called Cops. I'm really curious oh, to yeah. see if you remember. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Dude, I... Okay, so that's one of those little sort of side tangent toy lines that I got way into. Because... <laughs> there is a toy line? Oh, my God, I need them. <laughs> oh, yeah. There, you're I totally about, remember the cartoon. <laughs> you're, yeah, you're talking about the cartoon Cops and Crooks with a fighting crime in a future time. Uh, and they call me bulletproof. Yes. Yes. Oh, there is a toy line indeed. And what was so cool about that toy line is it hit right at the time when GI Joe was kind of starting to fade a little bit. Um, Interesting. They're basically larger GI Joe figures. They have the same exact articulation. And as a matter of fact, Larry Hama, the guy that wrote all of the file cards for GI Joe and wrote all the comic books, he wrote the file cards for cops as well. Yeah, you know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, there's a lot of similarities between, like, G.I. Joe cops just as far as the characters. They've all got these, like, tubes and pipes and yes. visors and, you know, missiles and things opening up. <laughs> well, and one of the cops' characters is, in his file card, is actually the grandson of one of the G.I. Joe's. What? So yes. it's, it's all the same timeline? Yeah, well, it, I think it was just kind of an Easter egg that Larry Hama snuck in there, but there's no reason it can't be the same. I'm I'm all for that. I, I hope as long as it's Turbo Two Tone, then I'll be happy. So <laughs> I think, um, oh gosh, I can't remember who it was. We, we again, we just talked about this recently. I feel like it might have been Long Arm. Long Arm. Um, was it Bounder and Blitz or he, Sundown? No, well, Long Arm was the guy that actually looked like a regular cop, but he had the handcuff thing on his arm that would shoot out. Yep. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I remember cops very well. I actually bought you on Amazon. You can get the whole series for like eight bucks or something like that. Wow. Uh, yeah, I definitely remember cops. 
then the thing, the reason I bring that up is because that was one of those obscure shows that got really, really frequent, consistent, um, you know, broadcasting. So I would say that more, not that more people would know Cops than um, G.I. Joe, but more people would have seen Cops than seen an episode of G.I. Joe. Wow, that's interesting. I And I bet the explanation for that, it's, I mean, obviously money is the root of everything but i wonder if maybe cops was a little cheaper to show in syndication over there i suspect that might be it it was gi joe and tremors uh from the same company or the same broadcast company at all uh they were on the same channel they were both produced by sunbow and i think cops was also produced by that animation company they're all they're all hasbro but, right, because Transformers was another one that was on, was on very, very rarely, like once a week kind of thing. And, and I would imagine just because G.I. Joe and Transformers were such higher profile, maybe they cost a little bit more. Yeah, than, to, Right, yeah. right. I, that, that'd be interesting to sort of track down and figure out at some point. I can imagine the the the, pre, the uh, president of Channel Nine getting the bill and going nine hundred dollar dues. We're not paying that for EI Joe. Tobias, are you ordering American cartoons again? <laughs> well, on that note, we got to wrap this thing up. This has been an awesome conversation, kind of comparing cultures and 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 seeing really more similarities than anything. I think. Uh, mm. But to sign this off, is there anything anything else specific that you wanted to talk about, bring up, or speculate on before we go? Uh, no, the only last little thing that I wanted to acknowledge is, just because we've been talking about G.I. Joe, is if, I don't know if you had these over there, maybe they were like 20 cent toys, but we had a toy line called Corpse, or Core. Oh, yes, Always called yes. Corpse. Yeah, by Leonard yes, Toys. They- Yes, they were those. We used to get those over here all the time with like vehicles. They were dirt cheap, so I had so many corpse toys. Like that was my GI Joe. So I definitely got the GI Joe experience, but it was like a slightly off-brand <laughs> GI Joe experience. <laughs> but it was the, IG Joe. <laughs> that's the cool thing about you know being a kid with toys, though, is you're using your imagination to play, and I, and I think. There's something to be said for something just being a good toy. And Lenard has been putting out good toys, even if they didn't have a license attached, for decades mm. now. Mm. Yeah, no, they were they were very uh, they were great toys to have. Just having so many of them meant you could just you know, hey, there's ten guys in this car. Now it's blown up. All right, there's ten guys over here. Bye. <laughs> well, it's nice when you're playing, you know, army to actually have an army. Yeah. Yeah, it was always a good time. Well, Adam, thank you so much for coming on talking about toys. I'd love to have you back on sometime in the future for any kind of pop culture conversation. Uh, do you have any kind of social media presence? Can we follow you anywhere on Instagram, Twitter, anything like that? Well, uh, I won't drop any names just yet, but I did just start recording a podcast last week. So the plan is to have episodes out in a few months. So hopefully if I'm back on the show, I should have some social media stuff. But until then, stay tuned to this podcast if you want to hear anything more from me. Awesome. And we'll, you know, as as soon as you've got your show up and going, uh, we will post that in the Needless Things podcast. We'll let everybody know. That's it. Well, we're actually doing reviews of TV shows and movies. So 
maybe I can get you on to review G.I. Joe Retaliation with our, with our friend Dwayne. Oh, I'd love to. Absolutely, man. <laughs> let, let me know when you're doing it. I'm, I'm in. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds good. Awesome. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks. Have a good day, mate. Bye. Cops and crooks bigger than G.I. Joe. Just let that sink in for a minute. That's wacky. Which is exactly the kind of stuff I wanted to learn and find out in doing, you know, hopefully more of these international episodes. Uh, So hopefully more of these to come. Please join the Needless Things Podcast Facebook group. Follow Needless Things Podcast on Instagram. Uh, Phantom Troublemaker on Instagram, which is where you can send your messages if you are an international person. Uh, Check out the Needless Things YouTube channel. There are a pretty good number of toy reviews up there now that the kids like to call unboxings. So that's when I put my hashtags uh, out there. That's that's hashtag unboxing. Uh, Check out the Audible Interlude G.I. Joe podcast. Two episodes are available now, or I guess one episode and one premiere uh, called Mission Zero, which I just thought sounded really cool. Execute Chapter 66. Lots of episodes of that out. More coming soon. I think you can probably count on them being part of Needless Con. Hint, hint. Uh, As well as other exciting things that Needless Things is known for. Uh, So stay tuned for everything. And of course, the aforementioned Needless Things podcast Facebook group is your best resource to see what's going on and when, and also to vote in things that we may be having votings for. Also, hint, hint. Uh, Seriously, though, get, get in there because we've got some really fun stuff coming up that you guys will get to interact with. There might even be prizes. Obligation-free prizes, because I love you guys. Thank you for listening to the Needless Things Podcast. You're the best. You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, or in the ears of a Trader Vicks employee. Love you. Mean it. Uh Uh-huh.